everybody. It's Jay back for another Outcast. I'm here along with Andrew to talk Southampton, Brighton and Rafa Benitez. How you doing, Andrew? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm good, especially now that Sunderland are, uh, are in the playoffs rather than going out automatically. So it was a, was a, was a good thing Agent Joey Barton did yesterday. Yeah, it's been between Joey Barton and Sunderland. It's been a, a crazy few weeks for both both of them, by the sound mm, of it. I'm I'm very interested to see what that investigation finds about him and the Barnsley thing. But to be fair to him, yesterday he uh, he did us he did us a favour with that uh, with that result for uh, with Fleetwood. So uh, Sunderland spent four million in January for a League One side and still can't go up. It's good news. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to. You know, when you think you've got it bad, I guess uh, it's always nice to look downward and, and oh. see that. I'm looking forward to, if they don't go up, watching it all on Netflix again. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a lot to talk about to catch up on. And we've got to talk Southampton and Brighton. Two mm. games, two very different games. Uh, so um, I, I guess you would have been at the Southampton game, Andrew, is that right? Yes. And I was yeah. at the Brighton game as well. And Brighton was on TV as well, so you would have watched that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, both games. Yeah, so should we start with the Southampton game? Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think it was the game of uh, Perez. Basically, uh, he was quality in that game. His finishes were really, really good. Um, the header was fantastic. I mean, to score a hat trick. Um, I think it was his first hat trick uh, for us. Um, yeah, and. You know, considering we had a season in the championship, I think that shows how um, it was really great finishing. I mean, it was a good result, really, because Southampton were hovering as well above above the relegation zone. And they'd been in quite decent form, generally, coming into that game. So I think for us to go and win 3-1 was really, really impressive. And we've not had a great record at home to Southampton in recent years. Mm. So to get three points and... Just to feel a bit more relaxed about it. I mean, like I said, Perez was the difference between the two. I mean, his finish. I mean, his first finish was really, really good. Um, and even his header was was quality. Uh, um, you know, like I said, I wanted I want him to do it every week, and uh, he's doing it every week. So. Uh, We'll wait and see what happens, but I do have a feeling, unfortunately, that this run of form means that, you know, we might have a lot of suitors coming in for him in the summer, which would be really annoying because he's finally starting to play well consistently, but we'll wait and see. Well, we've got you to blame because he clearly listens to the podcast. Yeah, I think I think one thing for Perez, though, is like, it's funny, I, w- I was listening to... Um, someone talking about who should be the PFA player of the year, right? Mm-hmm. Sorry, the Newcastle, no, who should be the Newcastle player of the year? And everybody was saying Perez, and I was like, I'm really sorry, but he's it's got to be Rondon or Shah. Perez has turned up for the last two, three months. The, those two have been playing all season. So, like, I appreciate he's playing really well at the moment, but he's not the player of the season. Like, Rondon and Shah have played well all season. So, um, I, I did find that quite interesting when people were saying that. He, he literally didn't start his season until February. So I'm really glad he's playing well. And that was an incredible hat-trick. And his finish against Brighton was quality as well. Uh, looks like he injured himself in the process, though. But um, he, like he's not player of the season for me. 
Yeah, it was a hip injury, which was a bit of a strange one. Uh, mm. So maybe that's just a bit of a knock, and he can he can come back. But you're you're absolutely right. I mean, the past few uh, games, he's been absolutely stellar, um, and it it is it is difficult when when you you see him go through these these patches, isn't it? That that you can say. I mean, I'm I'm quite a big Perez apologist, I have to say, um, yeah. but uh, so I, I I do see the. The, the class that he, he can show, but I do understand people's criticisms of him. Um, but based on the, the past few games, uh, I think you're, you're right. Thinking about people be coming in for him in the summer. As, as far as I can tell, I mean, I'm glad we're safe because we can't really do without him. That was the, the very telling thing about the Brighton game was it was a game of two halves in terms of Perez not being on the pitch. We did have, we lost Almiron as well, haven't we? In the course of uh, the last few games, yeah, which has had a big say. And so that that kind of trio of of Spanish speakers, the three been, amigos, the yeah tres hombres has been <laughs> been been broken up. <laughs> it's telling when that happens. I guess that that comes down to you know having a a good first eleven. But, you know, in terms of a squad, uh, we're found lacking. Rondon struggled a bit when when Perez went off because it kind of everything fell to him. He needs Almiron and Perez to help link up with him. Mm-hmm. When he had <laughs> Atsu and Kennedy, like it's not not the same type of quality, really. They're not on the same level. I'm not saying they're that further behind, but they, they both of them have had really bad seasons, in my opinion. I mean, Atsu had that one game against Man United where he looked decent in that game. Generally, he's been poor this year. And then Kennedy, again, he had that good game against Man U away. Uh, but that's the only highlight we've seen from Kennedy. So really, they both had very, very poor seasons. They seem to be confidence players to different extents. Yeah. I, I quite like Atsu. He, he can do a job in the sense that if you need to bring him on against tired legs and mm. he's, he's, he's good at breaking with the ball and going forward, but then it almost seems as if he's given too much time. His decision-making tends to lack quite a bit. I mean, I, I, yeah. I do, I do like him, but it, it comes back to can you rely on it once the stronger players in the first eleven? Yeah, I think it surprised me when we were in the championship. I thought Atsu was was absolutely quality. Rafa didn't always start him as well. At the time, he used to play Gufran, uh, Richie, he um, in the wider areas, and Atsu was one of those players who would start quite a few games, but wouldn't start every game. And to me, looked like um most like the the player who brought the pace to the team and everything and I just thought once he once we got into the premiership that he would kick on and carry on improving but he has really struggled for me um in the Premier League like you said he's a confidence player I don't think he gets to the byline enough I don't think his crossing is good enough I think he's got pace and he can but his end product's not been there and I, I always wondered why because he had these two loan spells at Bournemouth and Everton. He really made zero impact on their first teams. Mm-hmm. And I always wondered, like, when we had him at, in the championship, I was like, well, how can this guy not get even on the bench and not... But kind of seeing him over the last year or so, I kind of get it now. <laughs> He's just not really kicked on. Um, and it's funny, we've got four players who all can play behind the striker or of wingers in Kennedy, Jacob Murphy, I know he's on loan, uh, he's gone to West Brom, uh, Muto and Atsu, and all of them, they're pretty much the same, not quite good enough. Yeah, Mutu came on during the Brighton game, 
a mm. little bit later on. I, I suppose the more obvious substitution for Perez would have been him. Mm. Uh, and I, I, I know in a lot of quarters that it's puzzled a lot of people um, that Kennedy came on. I mean, just just mentioning Kennedy briefly, I mean, th- there was a lot of talk about a price tag of 30 million. <laughs> Who's um, going to pay that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't get, like, what's Ch- where, where's Chelsea? But have, have they watched him this season? Who's who's gonna pay that? No, nobody's gonna pay that. It's a ridiculous price tag. I think they're going based on what he did last year, not what he's done this year. So, I mean, I I wouldn't pay. I'll be honest. We we can get someone who's who's better. He's he's not. He's he's been he's been atrocious this year. Yeah, I think um, that's a a done deal in the sense that not that we're gonna buy him, but that he's gonna be one of the faces that's going out the door, and it you know that, that's fully justified, really. John Joe Shelby also uh, made a reappearance. He he seemed to have quite a bit of an impact on the game against Brighton. Admittedly, Brighton were pretty poor in the first half of that game. And then you had a lot of running initially with Perez and Richie and Rondon linking up uh, throughout that. And then in the second half, it just dissipated completely. I don't know what your thoughts were on Shelby, the latter half of the Brighton game itself. Yeah, I think the Brighton game was interesting for us because usually when we go away from home under Rafa, we tend to be the team that kind of sits deep and hits teams on the counter-attack. This time, we were the team where the back four was pushed up. Brighton was so passive considering they're in a relegation battle. I mean, I think Chris Hewton, I really have huge respect for Chris Hewton. Uh, I just want to say I think he's a did a really good job at Newcastle, so I, I do have huge respect. But I think he kind of saw that the team, Brighton, had been struggling for form and that his idea was that the main thing is that they defensively sound and then they build from that because obviously they've had a few batterings recently, especially the Brighton at home game, the sorry, Bournemouth at home game where they lost 5-0 at home. So I think he tried to, but it was weird for us because it meant that we had, we were kind of the initiators and they were happy for us to have the ball. I think it meant for Shelby, um, again, like we we kept saying this, but we wanted to see Shelby with Almiron because Almiron makes great runs, Shelby makes great passes. Surely there'll be a match made in heaven. Unfortunately, Almiron's injured, so uh, it wasn't, to be, I think Shelby did well with the ball. I don't think he did anything wrong. Um, again, does Rafa trust him without the ball? I don't know. I think would he have played as well if Diame doesn't have this contract situation where he's, you know, if he plays another two games, he automatically gets a contract extension. I'm not sure, but um, I don't think he did anything to harm his chances. But I don't think he did anything amazing either. So. Um, yeah, I don't think he. I don't. It's not his best game, and it's not his worst game. But he'll have wanted to do better, considering he had. He before this game, he hadn't started since November. I mean, that is a long time for someone. And you got to remember, he's the he's our highest paid player. He is reportedly on over eighty thousand pounds a week. So we should really expect a lot more from him. I think you're right. It comes down to the trust issue and. For that reason, I just have a feeling he's going to be another one of the faces out the door, um, which which are mounting up. Rondon, the situation doesn't seem to be resolved there. With Shelby, the amount of time out of the the game that you, as you just described, um, that's not going to do his confidence or ambitions much good. Um, so he's going to probably want to seek 
opportunities elsewhere and the wage bill indeed as you've just described you know that's that's a, a phenomenal amount of money we've already mentioned the likes of kennedy as well who doesn't seem to be uh, a good fit for us at the minute between injuries and uh, squad depth it, it it looks difficult doesn't it especially with uh, liverpool who admittedly are playing tonight so they might be a bit tired going into the weekend i would suspect that probably he'll go Diarmi hayden in the center of mid because he'll know that we we're not going to have the ball for long periods liverpool are going to kind of dominate the possession um so i probably expect Diarmi and hayden to start with probably kennedy playing kennedy and i would suspect he'll probably go with atsu playing off rondon but i would like to be surprised and i'd like him to see play shelby but i don't think it'll happen you know last year we drew at home to liverpool um has got that goal yes. <laughs> where he, he didn't mean to hit it and celebrated like he did and then coutinho scored that fantastic um shot from outside the box um so it would be great if we could um you know get something from the game especially because like i said it's the game where you know the whole world is going to be watching with regards to the title race but um i think it's going to be very very difficult watching liverpool the way they play um they're just they're liverpool and man city i know we beat man city um but they're just another level above even the four teams below them, they're another level above. Um, so I suspect we might probably will lose. The wider media seem convinced we're going to do Liverpool a favour or Rafa's going to have a attack of conscience yeah, in I, that sense. I don't, I don't know. I've, I've, I've heard that so many times. Oh, Rafa you know, will want to do Liverpool a favour. I mean, does Rafa really want Klopp to achieve what he didn't achieve? Like, I don't know, like, for the ego in him probably doesn't want uh, Klopp to, you know, win the Premier League because he never managed to achieve it. So he probably, whilst he loves Liverpool as a club and so forth, the kind of the selfish bit of him will probably want him to, you know, not to not to achieve you know that to win the title and I think um, the other thing is that he has his own professional like he would love to be you know the guy who you know if we were able to beat both Liverpool and Man City at home um, in the same season especially this season where both of them are on for record-breaking amounts I mean that would be like that would be a great thing for him generally for his CV so I don't know that whole thing about oh he's you know he's going to do Liverpool a favour. He's got his own like professional standards, and also I I do think there's a little bit of an ego in him where he probably doesn't want Klopp to win the to win the league, which he couldn't at Liverpool. Um, he might what he says in the media might be different to what he's thinking inside. I hadn't really considered that perspective. The uh, idea that he didn't want to see Klopp win what he couldn't. Yeah, I find that really interesting. I know he's a man of immense professionalism and personal pride, um, but that's that's really interesting. So maybe there's definitely something in that. It's like Jose. Jose was always bitter because he didn't win Chelsea the Champions League, and then obviously Chelsea went and won the Champions League with Roberto Di Matteo, 
And like you could see whenever they talked about the Champions League, he'd be like, well, I didn't, it didn't happen whilst I was here. So it doesn't mean much to me. So I don't know whether it's the same for Rafa. Um, I, I always wonder what it would be like to be inside Rafa's head, what he's really thinking. Because, uh, you know, I'm sure he likes the fact that, you know, he was he is the last person to win Liverpool that major title in terms of, you know, they obviously won the Champions League and the FA Cup under him. I know they won the League Cup under Kenny Dalglish, but still, he probably, you know, probably gives him pride. And, you know, if Klopp was to go and do that, I think whilst he, what he, what he's thinking would be interesting to know. Well, he's he's the last celebrated figure, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, to be at the club, so yeah, he's a human being at the end of the day, and <laughs> these things come into it. Um, even though he, he, he sometimes he seems, you know, beyond human in some of the, <laughs> some of the approaches he takes, and uh, you know the the sort of level of foresight and pragmatism he shows. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's an interesting perspective, and uh, I, I'm, I'm I'll be looking at that game with a different light, I think, uh, heading into the weekend. Um, so on the subject of Rafa mm. uh, and and the ongoing situation, I mean, it feels like we're talking about this ad nauseum. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's, you know, to be fair, it's probably the most important decision for Newcastle in the last five, five ten years, really. Um, so I think it deserves the time, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, a lot's happened. We were going to record last night, uh, but since then... Uh, sev- several things have happened. There's been a development in the last 24 hours from the Newcastle Chronicle. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, Andrew. Yeah, I think this is the one about the petition. That's right, yeah. So there's been, I guess, a, a bit of a, a face turn in terms of the the Chronicle themselves because their harshest critics will say that they're, um, you know, shills for the club. Um, you know, people being kind to them will say that they're, you know, journalists and they're, they're different from fans and they have to be more objective. Um, but this seems like a real drastic move, in my opinion. Yeah, I think a lot of people are understanding that fans, majority of the fans want Rafa to say, I would say 90, 99.89 or something percent want Rafa to stay. Specifically. Um, <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> well, Rafa to stay. The majority of the players probably know they're not going to get a more high-profile, um, decorated, decorated, and also attention to detail manager. So, like, whatever happens, most likely Newcastle aren't going to get someone who's better than Rafa. They might get someone who proves to be better than Rafa, but very, very unlikely they're going to get someone who's better than Rafa. So everything is going to feel like a step down, generally. The other thing which um, they might feel is that Rafa's kind of signature may tie up, may be linked with a lot of players. So let's say Rafa doesn't sign. Most likely, you could argue, two of our best players this season, Rondon and Perez, Probably Rondon, he's less likely to stay if Rafa's not there. And Perez, I think, would definitely go if Rafa wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I think it's still, he might go even if Rafa stays, but probably he would definitely go if Rafa's not there. So you've got that as well. So it kind of maybe the media trying to put pressure on because they want, they realize that, you know, 
I mean, the names who've been linked with the Newcastle managerial job, I mean, I don't, I don't really know. But I do know that they're not going to be as, like you said, decorated or as respected as Rafa. And also as someone who knows the players inside out, like there's always a settling in period with new managers. There's always going to be, oh, I want my own players. Like, isn't it better that we stick with a guy who's done so well for us? Um, and just carry on the process and back him rather than having to bring in a new person. So I think possibly the 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 newspaper has gone through with the with this petition to try and put some pressure on. I personally don't think Mike Ashley cares. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I don't think he cares. I think he'll make his own decision. I think it's good. You know, it looks good in the press and everything like that. But I personally don't think it will it will even rate like cause him one iota of stress because we know what we're dealing with he's not someone who bays to public opinion unfortunately yeah i mean i think it's really important that we consider it because yeah a lot of people want the press to be hypercritical um and i mean that in the the best possible sense they want people to be um you know, really searching for the stories that matter. Um, and a lot of people accuse uh, various papers of clickbait and um, yeah. puff pieces and things like that just to fill column inches. And, you know, that's this is the real story at Newcastle. And, you know, it's it's important because a lot of people who aren't constantly on social media or can't aren't constantly trawling internet forums and things like that, um, it's the main way which they find out about Newcastle United. And, mm. you know, the harshest critics, as I said, you know, accuse them of being, you know, propagandists. And, you know, whether that's fair or not, that's that's a separate debate. But the fact that something like this has appeared, um, whatever you think about it, whatever you think about the effectiveness of it, it's getting to the heart of the real issue at Newcastle United. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I just, I think it will be interesting to see if it, it does make an impact. Um, I mean, I read the mag put out an article today that Mike Ashley was voted the worst owner in the Premier League, uh, which I don't think shocks anyone. <laughs> Good job I'm sitting down. Good job I'm sitting down. Yeah, I think he'd probably be voted one of the worst owners in the, like, the 92 teams, probably... I mean, I know Blackpool have got rid of the Oysters, so that's good. And, uh, you know, obviously Bolton are having all their issues. So uh, maybe he would be in the kind of the 90th or the 89th position out of 92. So <laughs> he's probably <laughs> one. However, he all, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think um, people know that Mike Ashley is just not a very good owner. We might be... We, if Rafa leaves, it's because of how Mike Ashley has treated him. Absolutely, that's mm. that's the the be all and end all at the same at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I I think this is probably a largely symbolic gesture, um, and I think you're right. We know how obstinate he is. We know how stubborn he is. You know, a petition. It you know is it going to really have the impact? But at least it has some sort of broad and and widespread appeal. Mm. And it provokes the conversation that needs having. Yeah, um, I, 
I think the other thing which worried me generally about Rafa's comments was that the you know he said he wants to carry on managing till seventy, yeah, and he he wants to win the Champions League still. I mean, it's not going to happen. <laughs> We're not even you know, um, that's not going to happen with the Ashley regime at the moment. And the other thing, there's been a couple of standoffs between them. Like there was the one about the transfer window, and he was frustrated with the Almiron deal taking so long. Um, and then we also had that crazy situation where they got, uh, where Ashley, I think someone in Ashley's regime had said that uh, Mike Ashley was upset that he hadn't been invited to training. And then Rafa said, "Well, you don't, you know, if you own a house, you don't need to be invited to come into your own house." Like, <laughs> um, so. There is, a, I think, there is some sort of person. There are obviously personality clashes. They're both very strong-minded people, um, so I think that's another concerning thing, which might lead to Rafa leaving. It's really ramped up since safety. It seems like a, a war of rhetoric, more mm. so. I mean, Rafa's been quite coy in the past, um, the recent past. You know, after I focus on the team, I focus on games. Um, there was a really interesting quote following the Southampton game. Um, he said, today we will enjoy it in an ideal world. I want to compete for something. That's the main yeah. thing. If you analyse the transfer fee and wage bill, it's far away. Yeah, so, I think the other one was, what, what was it? Uh, you know, if you want to manage, I'm not, that, I'm not a manager. He's going to be happy finishing 15th in the Premier League, which is just like saying that basically, I think he st- still sees that he's probably got one massive job in him. I, I think that's the truth. Um, like I said before, um, I think mean, Newcastle has done the thing where we've re- helped rehabilitate his reputation. Um, and now he probably, unless Newcastle are willing to take that next step up, which doesn't look like under Mike Ashley, then he's probably looking to have a... I know it's depressing as Newcastle fans, but he's probably looking at another club to kind of fulfil his aspirations. Well, leading on to that, there was um, a series of letters that struck panic into both of our hearts, I think, uh, P, S and G, yeah. um, that came along the rumour mill uh, midweek. And you're talking yeah. about the large job, you know, that's outside of the top two or three European leagues. That's that's as big as they come, isn't it? Yeah, I think... PSG generally have had a they've had a bit of a collapse towards the end of their season. Um, they lost the French league, sorry, the French Cup final with the uh, Hatton Ben Arthur's Rennes team, of course. Um, I ben enjoyed Arthur, that. Yeah, happy for Ben Arthur because obviously you know he w- sounds like he was treated quite badly by PSG um, and so forth. So they've their form has really dipped in recent weeks. PSG ever since the uh, the Man U debacle in Paris um, and I think before this drop in form I think they were going to be happy to keep Thomas Tuchel but um, with the kind of drop in form and the strange results they've been getting um, losing the cup final as well I think most likely they will make a change now and I think to me having I've watched quite a few of the recent PSG games and um defensively they are all, are all over the place um I mean, if you see one of their goals this weekend i think it was against montpellier just terrible defending and i think if they want someone to organize the defense 
um, and do something which maybe Unai Emery or and Thomas Tuchel both struggled to do, which is sort out them defensively at the top level. Then probably Rafa's the man, um, and it would fulfil Rafa what he wants in terms of you know he wants another shot at trying to win the Champions League. He'd be given huge budget. He's already got a world class squad, uh, <laughs> so he probably would love a chance at like that. I would say one thing though, if Rafa goes to PSG, I can't see Neymar staying. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't think he's his type of player. If he gets annoyed by Mitrovic and Shelby, just imagine him with Neymar. <laughs> yeah, if you're worried about I mean that talk about wages. That is yeah. uh, that's the yeah. extreme. Yeah, I think um I mean for me, obviously with the, the issue for me with going to Paris Saint-Germain is kind of you know you're going to win the league so that challenge is not going to be huge for him but I think the challenge of winning the Champions League with a team which is full of world they have world-class players um, and to do something that hasn't really been done before um, as in you know since obviously the um, the Qatari group bought PSG and you know they they're chasing this Champions League win and they've struggled. They've got to I think they got to quarters, been knocked out mainly in the last sixteen in recent years, and they've had these collapses, like the famous one against Barcelona, the one against mm-hmm. Man U this year. So probably for Rafa, it would be a great chance to um, to kind of you know state the claim to you know that he is a he could you know a chance to win the Champions League again. And I think, I'll be honest, I think if PSG come in for him, we've got no chance of keeping him. Well, it's 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 another team who, who have ambition. And yeah. we keep coming back to that word, but that is that is the key word, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I know earlier in the season there was uh, links with, with Celtic. And, yeah. um, you know, that can... You can you can laugh that off as the Scottish League, but they they are in European competitions. And, you know yeah. they have, have ambition to win things. You know, but, I, mean, but, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> but, I don't. I can't. I, I'll be honest. When I saw the Celtic one, I was like, Celtic's. I mean, Celtic's transfer budget is smaller than Newcastle's currently. Right. <laughs> so how they like? I can understand it. I, when I saw that rumor. I thought that's someone, you know, from the Scottish media trying to create a link. Because, I mean, the last few days, Jose Mourinho has been linked with Celtic as well, which just is incredulous. But um, I think, I think, like you said, Rafa going to PSG would just... For him, it'd probably tick all the boxes. The only thing it wouldn't tick is probably a competitive league because they are so far ahead of the, all the other teams in France. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I think you're right on the Celtic. I think we're safe from Celtic. But, uh, yeah, PS, PSG is a, is is a concern when you hear a, a huge name like that. You know, it's all down to it's all down to wanting to win things, and and it's all down to the uncertainty that they have here as well. Because um, you can name PSG all you like as a rumor, but it, this this should be done and dusted by now. The, uh, the the certainty over the managerial situation, one way or another. Yeah. I mean, we've we've been part of various uh, countdowns and things like that on social media, and it's it's getting depressing doing them, quite frankly, because you know it's it's a ridiculous situation, and I think that's what's prompted the the Chronicle to 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 do something mm. that seems as drastic as this. I know last last episode you were talking about um, a potential 
action at the Liverpool game being uh, a, a possible idea. Um, I don't know about that right now. I think a lot of people want to see... I mean, the match is sold out. I mean, I tried to buy tickets for some family friends. and <laughs> the, I mean, it's literally sold out. They, you know, the, the tickets literally went on... Um, I think they went on general sale very, and they were sold out. It's, I think it's the quickest selling game this season. Really? So yeah. So I don't. <laughs> I think um, that's not going to happen, unfortunately. Um, it, you know, it, it, the, with these sorts of things, it needed to have been planned before and sure. so forth. I, I I just wonder whether if I, I mean. It, Everything depends on like what happens over the summer. Like, if Rafa was to leave, it depends who you replace him with, how much money is spent, you know, because things can change very quickly in football. However, we know with Mike Ashley, it's probably going to be a negative summer. So, it really, really is. I mean, it's frustrating because we, I think we all know that Rafa's the best manager we could get. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of all know that post Rafa, it's going to be difficult. Um, but it re- it really depends on what's going to happen. I think sales, who we sell in the summer as well, because I think if Rafa goes, you will see players like Lascelles, Perez. I mean, Dubravka. For me, I, I mean, I'm. I'm I'm a Dubravka fan. I think he's a really good goalie. Um, and Shah, those are the players that you'd be worried that you know if Rafa was to go, you know, clubs might see it, see it as a time to come and pick our best players away from us. I think that's what they they don't manage to see is the fact that it's not just about spreadsheets. It's not just about cost and income and and all the other buzzwords that are associated with the accounts. It's about relationships. It's about the the trust that the players have, the unity, all those important things, equally important things as well. And um, yeah, it's I I I hope that something um, is done to express gratitude towards Rafa by the fans, and it's not just seen as 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 you know par for the course that he goes and then somebody replaces. Because you're right, it's going to be hard to replace him and if you're going to make changes it should be changes for the right reasons and i fear mm-hmm. that it's that's not the case at the minute but hopefully we see a reaction from the fan base and hopefully you know ideally we want to secure rafa here but in the meantime we've just got to be really thankful for what he's been able to do yeah i mean it's i mean it today's may the first isn't it so really i think he's got what maybe end of June his contract ends so, June the 30th officially yeah. yeah so like you'd expect that after the last game of the season that um you know he him and Mike Ashley should be sitting down and having a meeting Um, from what I've heard is that it sounds to me like they've not had a direct meeting it's all been kind of informal um through other people through Lee Charnley rather than actually, which again, if you want someone to stay, you take time to go and try and persuade them, tell them, you know, you want them to stay. Doing it through intermediaries and so so forth. It's, I mean, 
just not you're not going to be able to convince them because you know at the end of the day if you can't be bothered to go <laughs> and talk to the person in person then why are they going to stay and like like i said like fair enough if rafa had no other options and no other offers but we know that you know once his contract expires there'll be clubs queuing around the world generally thinking like yeah we could you know we could get Rafa Benitez on a, a you know on a on a great deal I mean there has been this rumor about a 12-month rolling deal which is he going in for that I mean if we got a 12-month rolling deal my issue with that is that it's just going to be this it's going to be the same amount of uncertainty as this season and I just like as much as I want Rafa to stay and everything I just don't want us to go through that kind of will he stay won't he stay all the time um so because again when you run a 12-month deal you're going to be susceptible to bigger clubs coming in for him so I think Mike Ashley just needs to decide does he want to get the checkbook out or if not and if they're not going to keep him just say like he isn't we've decided I wouldn't you know he's we're not going to we're not going to keep Rafa we will decide what we'll do at, at the end of the season so then everything's clear we can start planning and just such a frustrating situation but it's at the end of the day Newcastle have to kind of recover from it and get over it as well let's hope we're not staring down the barrel of John Carver no I don't think John Carver would uh, I think he's probably learned his lesson because I mean that season I think when Pardew left us, we were in the top half, I think about ninth. Yeah. And like literally we need we I think we won one game um the whole season. Sorry, two games and we were just on a terrible, terrible run. So hopefully my issue is that Mike Ashley will go and get some another Pardew, another yes man. And uh that would just be dreadful because again it would just suck the morale out of the club like the only positive that a lot of fans have had this year has been like the spirit of the players because I like I said I think these players do try really hard but it has been the fact that we've got Rafa Benitez and once you take that out and if you replaced him with like a journeyman manager fans would just be like okay that's enough is enough well we'll have to we'd have to see about that won't we uh, mm. I, th- I think I think there's going to be a bit of a sea change one way or the other um this summer, like you say. So, uh, scoreline, give us a score prediction for Saturday. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I remember the last time we beat Liverpool, it was 1-0. Uh, it was, I think it was Brendan Rodgers. Uh, actually, we beat them 2-0 under Steve McLaren, if you remember, when Jurgen Klopp was manager. I do, I do. Yeah, that was, I mean, I went to that game. That was an incredible work effort from our players. My heart says, um, Probably a one-one, but my head says probably something like two-nil to Liverpool, and probably will frustrate Liverpool for about an hour, and then Salah will dive or something, uh, <laughs> get a penalty, and then they'll score late on. When we played them round Christmas time, I think we lost four-nil, um, and it was where kind of there was a dumb at Salah where Salah kind of he feigned contact um, at the time. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, we're going to be in a dreadful, we're going to have a dreadful run of form. And then somehow we beat Man City, I think, the next game. So <laughs> hopefully we can we can play like we did against Man City and really, you know, stay, be proud and think, oh, what a performance. But um, 
I do feel that probably Liverpool will be just be a bit too strong for us. But to be honest, I think Liverpool, uh, Man City and Barcelona at the moment, and probably having watched Ajax last night, they're probably the top teams in Europe at the moment. So we shouldn't be too hard on the players. Well, I think a respectable loss, maybe by a goal or a draw, is pretty fair result, to be honest, all things considered. Let's hope it's not Rafa's, Rafa's last home game. Oh, yeah, that'll be his body language during the game, at the end of the game. So if he's doing, you know, wave goodbyes and, like, really soaking in the atmosphere, and then that is going to be telling. Whilst if he's obviously just, like, normal, same game, then might be a bit more reassuring, but it is really difficult to tell. Maybe it'll be like last day of school when you have the uh, white dress shirt and you go around drawing on walls and things like that. Hopefully... Covers a few sports direct signs with Sharpie pen. Get in touch with the podcast at, at London Magpies on Twitter, London Magpie Tube at gmail.com. For now, it's over and Ashley out. Bye for now.